This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, March 21st, and this is The Economy Guy coming your way. What a great week we just had, and, and I'm looking to the future, too. Well, first of all, personal things. Uh, interesting, the French have uh, done another lockdown in our area for an additional four weeks, <clears throat> starting this weekend. And uh, when you go out and you talk to the French, uh, they are more angry about this. I mean, and I'm being very serious now, more angry about this than I've seen them in the past. They're sick and tired of being jerked around. I mean, because what's happened over the last year plus is that lockdown, slight open up, slight lockdown, slight open up, slight open up, lockdown, so that up and down, up and down. And down. Well, we're going through it again. People hate it. <clears throat> One uh, store customer said, hey, uh, one more lockdown and he's out of business. He cannot survive it. Uh, because what did he do? He went and bought a whole bunch of stock because he opened up before everything was going great economically. Now his store is shut down. So uh, he got screwed. And it was a decision made on a Friday night and announced on a Friday night for starting midnight that Friday night. Um, so I can understand the anger, the heat that's uh, around here in France. Anyway, Christine and I have decided we are departing the south of France. Since uh, the restaurants are not going to open up in uh, our lifetime, we are going to uh, get on an airplane and uh, go to a place that has open restaurants. You figure that out. <coughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Today I've got six segments I'm going to talk about. Six this time. First one is going to be something new. I'm going to call it the economic lesson for today. So it's a little, a quick lesson. What's going on? Second, I'm going to review the markets quickly. Uh, just a quick review. Third, the tidbits, which are so much fun. All the various little things going around, on around the world. <clears throat> the fourth and fifth are two segments that are, I'm going to talk about what are the experts talking about. The first one is what is Warren Buffett saying? about our economy. And the second one, in other words, the fourth segment, fifth segment is going to be, what is Ray Dalio saying about our economy? These are two highly respected economic forecasters, investors, truly investors. And uh, and kind of, they see the world the way they see it. I think it's worth, rather than me just blabbing on with what I think is going to happen, hear what the, for you to hear what the experts are saying. So, and the sixth segment, of course, is the precursors that might cause a crash. And indeed, things got worse this last week. Wait for that one. So, on to segment number one. 
on to segment number one, the economic lesson for today. Today's lesson is about compound interest. Everybody loves and uh, that understands compound interest simply loves it. So uh, what you do is you make an investment. Say it's a pat, like put money in the bank. It's easy and you get paid interest. The interest adds up and the investment grows over time. Say you have a constant interest rate going. Uh, you can use the rule of 72. People know the rule of 72. Say you're getting 7.2%. You divide 72 by the interest rate, 7.2%, and you get 10. 10 is the number of years it takes for your money, your initial investment, to double. So you put in $100, 10 years later, you got $200. 10 years after that, you have $400. 10 years after that, you have $800, etc. You see how it's growing without doing anything but watching. That's the magic of compound interest. I personally love compound interest. I was fascinated by it as a young teenager. So, um, but, there are two buts, two buts. Compound interest only works with positive interest rate. If you have a negative interest rate, which Europeans have, and uh, incidentally in the U.S. in the very lowest government bonds, uh, the one-month bond or the one-month note, it's um, negative, just slightly negative, doesn't matter, it's negative. Compounding doesn't work with negative interest. Um, and second, your inflation rate has to be less than the interest rate, otherwise you're just losing money the whole time. So uh, right now in the United States, you can see that uh, interest rates are very, very low. In fact, it can be negative at times. And inflation is much higher than the interest rate you're going to get, certainly, in the bank. So be careful of what you do. So what's the conclusion I reach? The conclusion is compounding interest is dead in the United States. Dead. It's gone. Don't consider it as an investment unless you're getting phenomenal interest rates. Okay. And, and I'm really talking to investors here. You see, compound interest rate works for investors. But if it's the other way around, if it's, you know, high inflation and low interest, that works really great for governments, not for you. And so if the government's winning, you're losing. If you're winning, the government's losing. Yes, well, you're going to lose too because you're actually backing the government. You're the taxpayer. That's it for the less economic lesson for today. On to segment number two. And segment number two is a quick review of the markets. Let's start with the Dow 30. It ended at 32,638, which is roughly the same as it ended the week before. So no change, except that it went up in the 33,000s during the week and it had a major fall on Friday to end up where it is. So that's kind of fun and interesting, but it's a ho-hum at the same time. The 10-year interest rate is ended the week at 1.732%, and that's a wow, and we're going to talk about that in infinite detail in the sixth section of the precursors for a crash. Got some more information there. The U.S. dollar is, uh, well, basically it went sideways. It was a slightly stronger this last week, but it was minuscule slightly, so, but basically sideways. If you look at it, oil went down. Interesting. There must be fear in the market that uh, somebody's going to dump a bunch of oil on the market because that happens in OPEC all the time. Although they have an agreement not to do that because it keeps prices high and, and increasing. But note that prices fell to 62. It was like 64, 65 before. 
And the last one is gold, 1746. That's up $20 for the week. It was up $20 the previous week. It's like it's climbing a real hard hill, coming back very hard, very slowly, fighting everybody. That's what the gold is doing right now, so we'll see. Uh, it's impossible to predict that market, and so be it. That's it for Section 2. On to Section 3. And on to Segment number 3. The tidbits, fun things. First one, inflation in Lebanon. I bet everybody's got riveted about what's happening in Lebanon. Did you know that the currency in Lebanon has fallen in two weeks to one-third of its value? Think about that for a second. Yeah, You have a dollar now, two weeks later it's worth 33 cents. That's what's happening in Lebanon right now. That is uh, amazingly out-of-control inflation. Uh, can inflation happen in today's world? It's happening right this moment in many places around the world. I'm just highlighting Lebanon. Let's move on to the Czech Republic. Fun place. Spent a lot of time in the Czech Republic. The party that is polling the best today, there's a whole bunch of political parties in the Czech Republic, is called the Pirate Party. I, I'm highlighting this because it's a cute name, the Pirate Party. Uh, they have 22% of the uh, poll votes. People are, would vote for them today if there was an election. And it's basically a young person's party. So if you see demonstrations or rioting in the streets, it's probably by members of the Pirate Party. Uh, from a serious viewpoint, if the uh, next election happens and people are really upset about around the globe, but certainly also in the Czech Republic about this pandemic and the lockdowns, <clears throat> those who protest will probably get a lot of votes. It's possible they could come into the and rule the Czech Republic in the future. So it's it's worth watching. Major changes are, are fun to watch. Let's talk about the virus and the pandemic, right? <clears throat> what? How many people are catching the virus? What's a seven-day rolling average? Uh, it smooths out things. In the United States, uh, the number of people catching it is falling and dramatically, and it's uh, 55,000 people. Okay, in the EU, it's 135,000 people, or roughly three times as many, or two and a half times as many in the EU. Now, why? Why? And uh, that's, that's one statistic. Another statistic, how many people die per million that catch it? The answer is it's uh, 3.2 people die out of a million in the United States, and it's 4.5 people out of a million in the Europe. So Europe is worse. They're getting more and it's growing. It's uh, virus is getting worse in Europe. They're having what they call third wave. <clears throat> in the United States, it's falling. No one can explain that. Let me just emphasize that. No one, the scientists, knows nobody smart enough in this globe to understand why there's divergence between the United States and Europe today. Uh, some smart person will probably come along and we'll report on that when it happens. Let's talk about the people in the UK, Brexit. Let's talk about why Brexit just paid off for them. This is really exciting. For those of you who watch the military, here's a good one. The Brits just decided by themselves, without help from the EU, I might add, that they will keep 260 nuclear warheads in their arsenal. As being part of the EU previously, they were supposed to reduce that to 180 this year. They are not doing it. That is an advantage if you want to control your own destiny of uh, Brexit. So I just point that out. It's 
probably one of those unforeseen advantages or disadvantage if you're anti-nuclear, that's fine. But it, it, you know, voting, votes count and have consequences. Okay, let's talk about the Fed. The Fed raised the forecast for 2021 to be, it's going to, this year will end with a growth of six and a half percent, massive. And then 2022, 2023, it's going to fall back very low to in the 2% range to, you know, three to 2%. That, that area. And uh, unemployment's going to drop this year. Well, we all know that anyway, right? The Fed also said, and this is a quote, <clears throat> they won't raise interest rates until 2024. That's three to four years from now, depending on how you count the years and when they actually raise it. That's their current thinking. They'll change their mind a lot, many times between now and then. <clears throat> but uh, you can... The Fed's current plan is to not change interest rates. It's going to hold them down at zero forever. That's forever. That three, four years is forever. And here's another tidbit of information, or a very good one. They won't raise the interest rate until 2024. They also won't raise the interest rate until the unemployment reaches 3.5% and the inflation rate averages 2%. So if you take those two statements together, they are saying... The unemployment rate will not reach three and a half percent, and will not inflation rate will not average two percent until 2024, according to their projections. They didn't say it that way around, but uh, two plus two does equal four. <clears throat> and another tidbit, a really important one to remember: the Fed is saying, "Hey, they don't want to project the unemployment rate and project the inflation rate. They want to see it. They want to see that it's happened." They want to see it in the rear view mirror. So they're going to wait until all of this happens. And then they will declare it happened. And then they will start raising interest rates. That is a very clear statement from the Fed. You can take that one to the bank until their next meeting when they could change their mind. So that's it for segment number three. On to segment number four. Let's hear from Warren Buffett. These, these are uh, kind of quotes and his musings at his annual meeting of uh, Berkshire Hathaway that he held in Omaha, Nebraska. A, uh, here's a uh, warning here. Uh, I personally, my wife and I personally own uh, some Berkshire Hathaway shares and they've done extremely well. Uh, Using the rule of 72, I think they've been earning like 7.2%. They've doubled in, uh, well, probably more than doubled in the last 10 years. So, so there you there you have a you know, personal thing. And Warren Buffett's a legend in his own time on being able to make money uh, from fundamentals, I might add. So what is this thing? His quote is very simple. Retirees face a bleak future, direct quote. And why does he say that? He says that because of two reasons. One, look, interest rates are low and inflation is coming. So uh, he sees those. And, and the third part of that is that the Fed wants it that way. He wants, the Fed wants uh, inflation and uh, interest rates to be low, inflation up and interest rates down. So uh, what he's saying is the traditional retiree pension or retiree uh, investment in bonds is out the window. You can't make money. You can't retire on, in those investments. They're gone. So the retiree has to move on to something else. 
they have to move on. And the obvious thing is to move on to the stock market where you take a higher risk. And it's the next best place to invest because he actually likes the stock market a lot if you listen to him. But he says, and this is a direct quote, it is absurdly overpriced. The stock market is absurdly overpriced. Take that in from an expert that's there. And he gives an example of what he means by absurdly overpriced, and he uses Coca-Cola as the example. Now, he owns millions of shares of Coca-Cola, so he knows Coca-Cola for a long time, and he's owned it for forever. And he's going to compare the year 2010 to the year 2020 for Coca-Cola. Let's start with 2010, what happened. The earnings of the company Coca-Cola peaked, it was the maximum in 2010, at $2.53 a share. And they had $14 billion in debt at the time. So that's the kind of the state of the company then, 10 years ago. In 2020, the earnings was $1.79. Remember, $2.53 down to $1.79 per share. That meant the earnings fell 30%. And the debt went from $14 billion to $40. That's $40 billion, $40. So that kind of says that the, uh, the price of the shares should be going down, right, over the last 10 years? Doesn't that really say that? That's what he says. Logic should say, but guess what? The stock price has doubled in that period of time. That is what Warren Buffett considers absurd. So the lesson from Warren Buffett, uh, use it wisely. And now on to segment number five, another expert. Let's listen to another expert. This is Ray Dalio, a person who invests billions of dollars, and uh, I respect. He's going to give us a little lesson in bonds, some, a subject I love. Okay, why uh, would anyone want to own bonds now, he says, because it would take over 500 years to get your money back at today's market. That's what he's saying. Uh, and it, there's some assumptions he makes behind it, but he basically he's saying that's a nutty thing to, to invest in right now. He's saying the bond market is in a bubble. It is a bubble. You think stocks are in a bubble? He's saying the bonds are in a bubble. And uh, and the problem is, is that the long-term holders, people who have been holding bonds forever, are, are complacent, which is a sign of being in a bubble, because the interest rates have been falling for 40 years. So they, that's the only world they know. And, uh, uh, and interest rates uh, on long bonds are always safe. That's a feeling that the people have that uh, they're complacent. That's why they're complacent. Uh, so, and let's talk about that 40 years. I'm, I'm a big bond investor myself, and I started uh, 40 years ago investing in bonds and, uh, and got out about 10 years ago when my 30-year treasury bonds matured. So, and that was the end of that. It's kind of a natural exit. Uh, so I followed it down, I understand, but 40-year... Uh, market is a long market. Incidentally, remember a few weeks ago I said it has changed direction. It is now going up. It is no longer a bull market. It is a bear market in bonds. And uh, beware. So what would happen if people started selling bonds? Let's talk about that. How big is the bond market? In the United States, there are $75 trillion worth of bonds, of debt out there. $75 trillion, of which the U.S. government, Fed, etc., owns uh, 16 trillion of it and 5 trillion in securities. They own 21 trillion of that 75. That leaves 
44 trillion which are in other people's hands. The majority are not controlled by the government. So that's those are the people who are the dog, the uh, and who's wagging the tail. Okay, if uh, selling started, uh, Ray Dalio says it would mean it would be a reverse wave. And I've been sitting here thinking, what the heck is a reverse wave? Well, I kind of view it as if you go to the ocean, you see a wave come in, that's a wave, and you see it recede back out. I consider that a reverse wave. It's, it, I mean, it gives you the feeling of what he means. This is, it's not good, a reverse wave. And that four things would happen if people started selling. First, the set Fed would start printing a lot of money. You think they're printing a lot now? They would print a lot more. Second, they would devalue it. They would inflate like crazy. Third, a bunch of debt would be restructured. In other words, there would be a bunch of companies that won't go bankrupt. That's what restructuring means. Fancy word for a bad thing. And fourth, the um, there would be an increase in your taxes. Isn't that exciting, I think. So what would Ray Dalio be looking for in the future? What's he? What are the kind of indicators he's looking for in case there's a bond crash, which incidentally would cause a stock crash? That's me speaking. Okay, um, <clears throat> he says he's going to watch, interestingly enough, if the Fed increases its bond buying program in the market in the longer term treasury bonds. Longer term. And uh, as interest rates go up in the long term. Notice that the 10-year is going up right now. So, uh, But they haven't started a, a massive purchasing program yet out there. He's going to watch for that. And second, he's going to watch for them doing it while the markets and the economy is strong. And you would call today's economy pretty strong in the United States. And you would call the markets strong. I mean, the geez, the stocks are peaking, right? So it's got to be strong. So that's the environment. Uh, that's what he's looking for. And he says he would interpret that as meaning uh, that the Fed itself is experiencing a supply-demand problem. There's too much supply and not enough demand. Driving interest rates up, that's what's happening to the 10-year now. The... Um, Another term for that, that's what he calls it, a supply-demand problem. That's what Ray Dalio calls that. Another term you can use that I would use is there's a liquidity problem. There's not enough money out there to buy it. or you know, There's, there's a problem. So, And that the Fed is all about liquidity. So that's... Uh, now, let's say it happens. We get the big boom crash in the bond market. What could come along in the future which you would not like? And uh, th these are true things, so listen to this one. This is what he's predicting. These could lead to big tax changes. Well, he talked about that earlier. The big tax increases coming in order to pay for this mess. And it could mean capital controls. So what does that mean? Uh, capital controls means, hey, the government may mean that, say that, hey, you can't own alternative investments. You can't own gold or you can't own Bitcoin those compete with the dollar. So they may stop that. They did. They, they stopped buying gold in the good old days, way back when, right? They, they took the gold away from the people. They could do it again. Uh, we'll see. And they may, and this is the uh, big one that I've seen in the past, stop you sent, being able to send your money outside of the United States. You've got to keep it in the United States. When I, my wife and I lived in the UK, 
We lived there at a time when the Brits could not send their money or take their money on vacation. They could only take 50 pounds in their pocket to go on vacation out. Uh, I mean, they could ask for an exception to that, but that's what the law said in the UK at the time. That's changed since then. Um, so, holy cow. Uh, so some extreme things could be coming in the future. That's Ray Dalio's warning for the economy that we live in today. That's it for segment five, on to segment six. And on to segment six are six precursors that can precede a crash of the stock market, which we are all very interested in, I am. The first is the 10-year treasury bond. <clears throat> We're watching interest rates rise in the 10-year treasury bond right now, and why is that of concern? Because it could easily drive a change in Fed policy. And uh, the Fed's watching this very closely and are not talking about it, but they are. Uh, if the Fed changes policy because of rising interest rates, Ray Dalio talked a little about what they could be doing, etc. That can cause a market crash. So watch this as it goes up. How high can it go before it actually, the rate itself causes a turn in the market? I'll ask, answer that question. First of all, where is it? It is at 1.73%. This last Friday, it closed business. The week before, it was 1.635. It went up a tenth of a percent. Another massive move in one week. Let's just review that. At the beginning of February, the 10-year was um, 1%. <clears throat> Middle of last year, it was half a percent. But at the beginning, beginning of February, it was 1%. It's now gone up three-quarters of a percent in less than two months. That's a huge move, and it is just going week after week like a train going down the track. Uh, it hasn't stopped. I'm very surprised it hasn't stopped. This is a market like any other market, which means it goes up and down. This is not. This interest rate is going up. There seems to be nothing that can stop it. We're just observers on this. I put the 10-year, uh, this indicator, in as a solid orange right now. This is no longer green. I'm not worried like, uh, which means not worried. Orange means, got to watch this one closely permanently from now on. Second one to watch is the high yield bond interest or value, the valuation of it. Here we're watching for the value to drop quickly. And uh, that is a precursor. It's a historic precursor of a crash in the market. Now the, uh, the value last uh, a week ago was 8.8. Nine, eight, and it's currently 8.92. It's the biggest fall I've seen in this indicator, and it is in, on a downtrend, and it looks like it's accelerating a little bit to me. <clears throat> so last week I said a flashing orange light. Now I say it's a solid orange. Now this is another one we got to watch permanently. So just another one to watch. The third one is the U.S. dollar. We expect the U.S. dollar to decline in value, which would cause inflation. But in it's not. It's going sideways. It's a, or it's actually getting a slightly stronger. But so let's just say sideways. It is. It is clearly a green indicator today, not a problem for a, an indicator. The uh, CPI, inflation. We're watching the inflation. Remember, January was 1.4 percent. February was 1.7 percent. Again, anything less than two percent, and it's a whole hum. March will be coming out in a little while. We'll talk about that. The Fed is expecting it to get to 2% sometime. Well, let's us watch it. What we worry about is 
runaway inflation. In other words, it goes to 2% and it keeps going up 3%, 4%. Uh, if that happens, uh, that indicator it will flat, it will be red, red, red. But right now it's green. It's not a problem. And as long as it's less than two, it's not a problem. Uh, the fifth indicator is a Fed policy change. When the Fed changes direction, the markets, <laughs> they are very nervous of that. That's why this is an indicator. The Fed uh, had a meeting last week and clearly said there is absolutely no change in their policy. Remember that what they say for policy is their actions. What are they doing? There's no change in that. What they say in terms of what their expectations are, are just words, blah, blah, blah. And we talked about interest rates, won't, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it, it, again, green, not a problem. And the sixth one is the bluebird. That's something coming out of the blue and, and uh, knocking everybody on the side. And nothing happened last week like that. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Get out there. Enjoy your life. I will be enjoying mine. As we make plans, I uh, will be uh, recording somewhere else, maybe next week or maybe not. Be talking to you. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market and I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.